Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. ESPN Radio. And I, I had so many different uh, radio experiences on my latest uh, road trip all through southern Utah and the Grand Canyon. We were hooked on some serious XM radio for a little while. I know that's sinful for me to say as an FM radio guy, but uh, it's amazing all the content that they have on there. It's actually kind of crazy. Listen to some E Street Band radio. So that's Bruce Springsteen uh, for a formative amount of the trip. So got some boss stuck in my head. That's what brings us back here. Uh, on this Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television or maybe you're streaming on the ESPN MT app. Appreciate you for being here no matter how you're tuning in. If you missed anything in the first hour, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store where they're all Grizz all the time. The Grizz got a blackout on Saturday night, so if you need some cool uh, blackout gear, some black Grizz gear, go check it out there uh, at the M Store corner of Higgins and Broadway. And the podcast also presented by the Montana State Bookstore, msubookstore.org, for all your blue and gold needs. Justin Angle uh, in studio with us uh, here on this Tuesday. What's up, man? Thanks for being here. It's good to be here. Thanks. Uh, first of all, blackout on Saturday night on the University of Montana campus. Right. You're back in the classroom, so you're teaching. Mm-hmm. Any buzz? I know it's only Tuesday, but is anybody talking about the night game and the blackout? Uh, I mean, I think there's generally some excitement. Um you have a lot of the a lot of football players in my freshman introduction to business class, oh, cool. business safari. So, you know, I think there's generally some hype around it. Well, let's get the pulse tomorrow. Monday was Monday morning was a little hard to get. Yeah, the pulse, yeah. I'll, I'll be with them again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, here's the fact of the matter, though. We we talk about this all the time. The way that the Grizz budget works in terms of the overall athletic department and the way football and football scheduling plays into that. Montana's at this um, this point, which I think is is impressive, but also sort of handcuffing, where if the Grizz play a home game in September, they're going to sell that thing out. It doesn't sure. matter who they play. And, and so then you sort of put together this schedule where you have some games that you, you should win at home, try to build momentum, because you know you're going to sell twenty five or 26,000 tickets uh, no matter what. But I do think that the athletic department deserves some credit because there might be some people looking at their tickets thinking, Ferris State, who's Ferris State? Right. But you give people a little bit of an action when you, you know, move the kickoff to 6 p.m. I don't like night games, but I know most people do. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you make it a blackout. So I don't know. I think, I think it's a good marketing strategy by Montana. I think the night games are exciting. They, you know, the, the way the events are produced in that stadium is, is super well done, in my view. Uh, I mean, we can quibble about lines for beer or whatever, but like the production quality, I think, is quite high. And putting it at night, I, I, I know there's other constraints and complaints associated with that, but as far as the experience goes, it's pretty cool. The blackout piece, you asked me about that before. Like, it's, I, I think at this stage, it's kind of a little gimmicky. Sure. Because um, it's not that original. Right. And I look at things that, you know, from a branding perspective, like everything you do either adds to brand equity or detracts from mm. brand equity. Interesting. So the case of a blackout, you know, it adds in the sense that it kind of gets people involved. It might sell some more merch, but it, 
those aren't your standard colors. And it's also a move that a lot of other schools make. So I think it dilutes brand equity from that perspective. It's fewer of the standard colors and jerseys out there. So it, it just kind of um, it takes the brand image uh, and, and how it's visually represented and just dilutes its presence in the marketplace a little bit. It's an interesting analysis for sure. The business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications, Justin Angle in studio with us. Of course, some of the superstitious uh, sports fans out there, they saw the black jerseys and they, they hearkened back to the 2010 Cat Grizz game where the Grizz wore black jerseys with orange numbers mm. and a very similar paw print on the back. And that's when the Cats came to Missoula and posted a, a 21-16 win. And that was the first time the Grizz hadn't made the playoffs in 17 years. It was sort of like uh, this this end of an era. Of course, Montana got back on the horse and, and routed the number one ranked Cats the next year in Bozeman and went on to the semifinals of the playoffs that year. But certainly uh, maybe a little bit of a harbinger of things to come. So people were pretty funny about the, uh, the black jerseys uh, coming back out. How do you sort of balance that though? The the brand equity that you're talking about, but also then the the because make no mistake, there'd be black jerseys for sale. There'd be people wearing black shirts. Yeah. You sell some merchandise for sure. this game. There's a lot of people that are going to go down to the M store or wherever else and, and buy some you know black grizz shirts. So how do you sort of balance those two things? Yeah, I think it's you sort of have to look at it as trade offs, right? Yeah, you might sell some more jerseys. Right, and that might provide you some revenue, but in the long term, does it do anything to inc- increase the franchise value of the brand? Um, you know, it's it's an open question as to whether it does. I, I think it's sort of trying. I, I look at it like you're cashing some equity in the in the short run for short-term revenue versus a longer-run investment in, in the value of the brand. It's interesting because there's like a parallel there. I've been studying a lot in, in, in terms of people's patterns and consuming content. And, of course, we have a two-hour radio show here, but we break it up into two different hour-long podcasts to sort of make it more manageable for people. Um, but there's this notion that more content, concise content, is sure. is, is uh, maybe more consumable or is going to get more traction. The more you change, the more you can do these hype videos and the promotions of it all. That's an element of this, too, from a marketing standpoint. Yeah, I mean, some of this has been thrown on its head a little bit, like some of the branding decisions associated with you know Facebook and Meta and, sure. and some of these others changing logos. I mean, it kind of throws a little bit of traditional branding scholarship on its head. And thinking about you know the way media is consumed now in this TikTok age, I mean, there is something to... Uh, you know, creating different iterations, creating something fresh and new and disruptive more consistently than before, like the, the sort of staid IBM logo or P&G logo or these sort of monolithic corporations sure. that yeah. have existed for, you know, for, for what feels like centuries how those are have been represented the traditional conventional wisdom is keep the same logo keep it tight keep it consistent deploy it carefully but you know i think we're seeing some brands play with that wisdom in 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 different ways and it's unclear how effective it is if it's getting share of eyeballs and share of attention yeah, that might ultimately end up being the name of the game because the first you know key to branding is brand awareness well it seems like College football is more liberal with their experimentation of all of this than maybe any other sport. College football and minor league baseball. Well, they're way basically. less regulated. Yeah, I mean, right. Pro sports right. are so regulated. Totally. The NFL and their uniform restrictions are is, is pretty well, um, right. legendary. Like, every NFL team only really has one alternative jer- jersey, yeah. and they have to run that by the NFL. I mean, it goes all the way back to 
the origins of the Air Jordan, right? Yeah. In the NBA, they used to only be able to wear white sneakers. And when Michael Jordan first started wearing black and red sneakers, Nike was paying a fine on his behalf to basically break the rules. And that changed the whole thing forever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there's ways to... And that's why I think, like, back to the blackout thing, you know... It was a great idea the first time it was done. Right, 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 right. But like not every team can have black as one of their colors. And it's an idea that's already been done. And, it, you know, it, it just comes off as less original. Like the next college volleyball team that fills the stadium to watch a women's right. volleyball game. I mean, sure, they might break the record that right. Nebraska came up with and, and be in right. the Guinness Book of World Records. But it wasn't records, the first one. But the first one is the one that was really powerful. Yeah, it is so interesting because college football... I mean, there, there's some schools like the Penn States and Alabamas of the world that just wear the same jerseys. That's what they wear. They wear their traditional. Yeah. Notre Dame is very much like that. Uh, but then you have the Oregons and the Marylands of the world that have a different jersey every single time. So it's just kind of all over the place now. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of partial to the Penn State strategy, right? Having that consistency over years, over time. However, I mean, I'm sure that a big selling point in recruiting for Oregon is all the different jerseys and cool right. gear that you get to test. You're like the Nike skunk works. So there is an appeal there as well. <laughs> the business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications, Justin Angle, uh, in studio with us. Um, let's talk about this, the, the cable situation. Yeah. This has been interesting. I can't believe we actually haven't brought this up. We haven't seen each other in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that were trying to watch, if you have... Charter Spectrum cable service, you know, old school cable, uh, and you were trying to watch Monday Night Football last night, you probably realized that you, you couldn't because ESPN's not on there last night. Uh, I was out to dinner. I was trying to watch it. The only thing they could get was the ESPN 2 of the Manning cast, but not the actual broadcast right. of the game. Uh, take us through this. This seems like a flex for leverage on the NFL's part, but I know you have stuff to say. Well, it's a big standoff um, between Charter and Disney. Right. Right. So... Charter is the basically the delivery mechanism for Disney's content. Charter owns the rails, right? So you right. sort of need Charter. Not only a lot of subscribers need it for the cable bundle, but they also need it for cable internet. Right. And Disney has had a pretty good business model of charging people twice for its product, right? You pay right. for the cable bundle, but there's uh, uh, millions of people that also pay for Disney Plus. Right. And so Charter says, you know, people are cutting the cord. We're losing 7% of our customers every year. We need to pay less for Mm -hmm. the Disney products. And one of the ways they can pay less is to force Disney to wrap Disney Plus into the bundle of the services that Disney's providing Charter for the fee. And so there's all these different moving parts. But basically, one way to look at it is... Cable bundles declining 7% per year. Right. Right. And so in order to make this same amount of money and or grow, which these publicly traded corporations are on a mandate to grow in the system as we've constructed it, they need to charge an increasing price at a rate that not only exceeds the decline of the bundle, so it's going to outpace inflation. Right. Right. And, And so... ESPN looks at this and says, wow, you know, we are, our business models under stress. And now we're forced to raise our prices. At the same time, Disney's trying to scheme up a direct consumer model to try to bring ESPN in particular over the top. 
Disney's realizing it's overinvested in streaming. It's not getting the margin it thought it could. So it's it's both companies are under pretty intense pressure here. And they were kind of in this game of chicken. And then I think they finally realized that like, whoa, we're both kind of in the same boat in a way. Right. In this and this boat is kind of sinking. Right. <laughs> and rather than be in a hurry to sort of, you know, puncture deeper holes in either side of the boat, they've tried to figure out a way to collaborate. So this this deal feels like it's a middle path. It gives Charter some of it what it what it wanted and in enough of a way that the cable bundle I think will decline maybe it'll continue to decline but it this didn't precipitate a further decline and ESPN and Disney and so forth are able to kind of hold on a takeaway in terms of some of the themes we've talked about is yeah. i think there's just less money in the system mm. where does right? that come from i think the cable bundle provided a lot of consumer surplus. Right. People were paying- You're buying the whole cable package, even though you only want 11 of the channels, you're paying for a whole bunch of other channels you don't necessarily want, exactly. but you don't care. And that created a lot of surplus in the system. Right. Right. And, and so that created a mechanism where there was a lot of growth and there was a mm-hmm. lot of money sloshing around. And consumers, you know, rightly so, like Netflix comes along and says, oh, no, we can, we can serve you content directly. And then, you know, COVID sort of accelerates this with everybody being at home and not going to movie theaters. And you see all this rise of streaming, right? Well, streaming is, is yeah, you give customers what they want, but you charge a much lower price for it because you're trying to race to having some sort of a platform effect that right. hasn't appeared to play out the way that I think people thought it would. Anyway, w- what I'm getting to is there's less money in the system. So you're asking often like how you know how much more can the nfl do and can it get bigger can it sure. continue to grow like maybe the nfl can right but i think what we'll see is you know um smaller deals for other pro sports you know, less money in the system smaller rights deals smaller contracts um maybe a period of contraction in professional sports i mean this this there, there's a lot of of unknowns but with less money in the system it seems like uh, some sort of decline is inevitable. It's there's there's so many different ways that cause this could all go. The business angle here on Nuana is now uh, ESPN Radio. Justin Angle in studio with us, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Well, and then then, then enters the peril of, of what's going to happen when all the bidding rights come up for grabs yeah. and how much pressure that puts on ESPN, for example, to maintain their their huge deals they already have with the NBA and college football yeah. and Major League Baseball. What happens when there's new people in that market? I, I, I'm so captivated on how this is all going to play out because you might even see a little bit of a revival in cable. I don't know. Do you think? Is that possible? Or is this going to all go the, the way of streaming? How, how does this even out or level out? It's, it's unclear to me. Yeah. I, I think the streaming model makes a lot of sense for the customer yeah. in a um, in a content on demand model right where like i want to watch game of thrones and i want to watch it when i want to watch it right. right whereas live sports they're still scheduled yes right so there you know i think to i think the cable bundle will persist live live sports will sort of keep the cable bundle um, afloat yeah. for a, a period of time yes but eventually, I mean, the streaming model seems like the way to go. At the same time, there's just too many darn channels out there. Well, right, that's true too. And so we'll see consolidation in terms of the content. I think, I think, you know, right now we've had like 
an overabundance of content and we're seeing that, oh yeah, there's not enough like advertising dollars in the system to right. pay for all of that. Right. So we're going to see a contraction there. Well, you wonder if the NFL, I mean, how, how essential is network TV to the NFL? Could the NFL go completely independent, have its own sort of streaming network? It's an interesting question. I mean, if you look at the kind of monopoly power that the NFL has. Yeah. Okay, so access to broadband is still an issue. It's not as widespread across the country as if somebody who has broadband thinks it is. Right. Right? Like, I don't know the exact percentages, but it is not as high as you think. For sure. Right? So broadcast TV is still an important way that, that many Americans access that content. Totally. However, assuming, you know, that broadband becomes more and more ubiquitous... Um, the NFL might just have the same kind of market power that in the infrequency of events that boxing has. Like you might be able to go with like an old school boxing pay-per-view model for NFL games. Right. It wouldn't work for baseball. Right. You might have some league pass or something. Well, and that's where baseball has gained a little bit of footing lately is they have this MLB app and you can get MLB TV. You can get it for a third of the price after the all-star break. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you know, you do get people that just want to watch the Braves or the Yankees or, you know, whoever it might be. So there, I I think the same dynamics exist, right? Like the, the NFL wants to charge you for a package where you're buying more games than you want to see. Yes. Right. And and baseball will do the same thing because I I think the wisdom is the wisdom there is, yeah, these bundled products offer some service. You're willing to pay a little bit more than you would for the one thing you want to watch. Yes. In order to watch that one thing you want to watch, and be but by being held captive to that, it creates surplus for these entities to kind of well, one, they can spend a ton on the rights, but two, they can support some other benefits that customers have kind of come to enjoy over the years. Well, and another factor that could play is sports gambling, but also how yeah. how much the sports books have a captivity of this because you already seen this. I, I was in Vegas for only a day, but MGM does not only have a sports book. They now have a website that covers sports to oh, yeah. promote the sports that they want people to bet on. So what happens when, you know, one of the big time sports books comes in and buys the broadcasting rights or something, or has a huge hand in the advertising and promotion of the broadcasting rights. Like, like if there was ever to be a big slippage in the, from the top four professional American sports, I think that's where it would be boosted back up is a proliferation of content produced by the sports books themselves. Yeah, and I think we see that with that partnership that ESPN right. entered into, right? For sure. We're going to see more of those. And it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Like we've done a fair amount of hand-waving in this section, as this segment, about yes. sort of the ethical implications of that. Right. Um, but ultimately, like I do think it's sort of a, a business strategy that does have some existential risk. Like it could undermine the value of the underlying um, asset, which in my view are, are the games and the athletes and the, the, right. that production, that piece of content. Um, if you have less authentic engagement in the content and you know the introduction of um, perverse incentives, then you know that that it quickly kind of could become a house of cards. I think that's I don't I know how likely that risk is, but it's a risk that increases the more in bed with the gambling interest you get. It's such a dichotomy because on one hand, the people that are are hooked to professional sports because of sports gambling, 
that's going to evolve to be even more of a passion for them. They're going to be even more hooked on it. Yeah. But then you also might ostracize some of the audience as well. Another sort of give and take. Yeah, and who knows how much of this is just sort of, uh, you know, we adapt. For sure. Like we adapt to seeing ads for certain things. Right. We adapt to the level of violence or nudity or language in our content. Right. As I mean, we normalize, I mean, sports gambling is sort of this new thing on the, on the, yeah. uh, in our reality. But if you've had a fantasy football team, which most people listen to the show have played fantasy football sometime in the last 15 or 20 or years. Or filled out a bracket, right? Exactly. You, you've you been doing normalized sports gambling. That's like the gateway drug to the, the next version of sports gambling. Yeah, so, you know, I'm sure plenty of people listening smoke weed. And they might not like having a weed shop down the street from them. Sure. Or plenty of pe- those sorts of things. I totally know what right? you're saying. So it's yes. a question of like, okay, if we... You know, you can make, to the extent you make a value judgment about any of these things, right. if you have a little bit of squeamishness, you might be uncomfortable with it right out in the open. Well, it's going to be crazy to see how this all evolves. I actually think that, this is not hyperbole, I, I actually think that one of the, the two or three biggest stories in sports in the in the, the near future is going to be the, the reallocation of how we watch live sports. Yeah. Whoever figures out a way to nail that, whether it's on the college football perspective, the NFL perspective, a broad conglomeration of all of these things, the next TV contracts, the next streaming contracts, I truly think it's going to be the thing that changes the way that we consume information more than any other factor. Well, we've speculated on that before. Like that, that was one of the things I thought about when Amazon took over the rights to, or Amazon Prime took over the rights to Thursday Night Football. Sure, yeah. like, you could package that. If you're an entity that doesn't need the re- the revenue model associated with advertising to monetize the game, like you could do it in all kinds of different ways. Right. I mean, it might not be the same sort of advertising. It might not be ads for, you know, Cialis and restless leg syndrome to sure. serve up at halftime. Right. It might be ads for, you know, click here for this product that's embedded in the stream. Right. And hey, great. You know, there's not all these media timeouts because we don't need them to serve you ads. Uh, you can just click on the player's jersey and buy that right through the app. You can, you know, all these things. You can you can make a bet through the app. Right. You can, you know, so so yes, the super app and, and, and you could create it in such a way that the viewing experience is actually better. It's not so explicitly a mechanism for delivering you ads for products you don't want. That's the biggest dystopia is the sports books owning all of it and that all the commercials are replaced by nothing but prop bets and bets that you could make. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one way it could go, and I think there will be some of that. There will be some of it. I, I, I just hope that's not exclusively what it is. I like sports betting, but I also see the perils of it, and I think having that readily available on a national level would be would be perilous, at the, to say the very least. Yeah, I just think there's such potential in in taking... The product as it is now engineered for a live TV broadcast is just not a great product to view in person. Right. Right? Like, you go to a, a live football game, live basketball game, the amount of just watching the guys or the girls stand around yes, waiting right, for the time right. out to be over, it's like the coaches aren't even talking to them. They're not really even resting. Right. They're just sort of waiting to get back on the court. And the whole sort of, yeah, they, they do some, you know, like, you know, little stunts with kids on the court sure, to fill the time. Right. But it could be so much better, right? And it could close the gap between, I mean, the, 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 the streamed product and the live product could both be better 
in this, you know, in in this new conception. Now, will that conception be be enough to overpower the advertising model? I don't know. I like to think so. I like to think you can lead with product and innovate sure. that way. Right. Yeah. But um, as we see with some of these streamers introducing an ad-supported model, it's not totally clear that that, that model is you know, one we can innovate our way out of. Well, we will certainly uh, keep you up to date as uh, this continues to evolve. And I don't know, do you think this charter ESPN situation will get settled before football's over? Like, is Monday Night Football going to be back for charter people? Yeah, they 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 uh, established a deal yesterday. Okay, so it's it, so the, lever, the 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 threat of not having Monday Night Football for the whole year it works. The Monday Night Football double header coming up next weekend. So I guess they had no. To get they the reached the deal, and so far the markets have responded somewhat favorably. Both stocks today, Charter and Disney, were up in trading, uh, not um, explosively so. But but there doesn't appear to be clear winners and clear losers, and that probably means it was a reasonable deal. I had a bunch of other stuff on the list, but we only have time to get to one more thing. Justin Angle in studio, The Business Angle. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Uh, Oregon State suing the Pac-12. At first, you sort of gawk at it and think, well, what sort of case might they have? But then you realize from a short and long-term planning perspective, Part of the way Oregon State's probably projected its budgets for the next three to five years involved the guaranteed money they were supposed to get from the Pac-12 deal, television deal. Now that doesn't exist because the league doesn't exist, really. Yeah. So I actually do think they might have some ground to stand on here. Well, you know, it's unclear what the remedy is necessarily. Right. I, mean, I think this comes down to a power struggle. And Oregon State and Washington State, I think they got a pretty compelling um, intuitive case Right, like, are you going? If you have, if you've, if you're one of the ten schools that have decided to leave the conference, mm-hmm. should you be allowed any voting rights on anything? Right, and you know, from the perspective of Oregon State, Washington State, like, heck, no, they absolutely shouldn't be able. Like, these ten schools shouldn't be able to define our fate. They're they're leaving, right? They're the ones who left. We should be able to make. We should be able to control mm-hmm. the decisions. Although one of the one of the, the cruxiest decisions is what happens to the existing assets. It's hard to understand exactly what the assets of a conference is. Or some reports that there's up to forty seven million dollars on hand, and that it's it's unclear like what that is exactly for, and right. and, and how that might be offset by liabilities that the the, the Pac twelve conference has. But if there are decisions about you know real dollars to be made, I mean the leaving the, the the ten schools that are leaving could like divvy up that cash and outvote you know the two remaining right. schools. So I think there is a, an actual claim, and there's some you know minutia in the bylaws. And I think they want a review of the bylaws is. too, because when San Diego State was contemplating leaving the Mountain West, the Mountain West said, "Hey, hold on." It's going to cost you between 17 and $34 million. Yeah. I think Oregon State wants that to be explored in the Pac-12 bylaws as well because if everybody has a uh, a departure fee, that could be something that then they could benefit from if they could rebuild the conference. Yeah, I, I, I think Oregon State has a reasonable claim here. Like they don't, these other teams decided to leave. Yes. Right? And it should be up to, and the conference is likely to dissolve. But it should be up to the remaining schools to determine how things go for that conference, right? And, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see how it plays out. The one kind of hammer that could play out in all of this, and we've seen it in other conferences, is, you know, if control were to land solely in Oregon State and Washington State's hands, 
they could decide that you know in in this in this spring season that you know the any of the teams that decided to leave can't play in the championships they can't represent they can't get the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament they could really put the hammer down and say you know you got to sit out this year It'd be sort of like a probationary kind of move uh, we've seen it done in other conferences and in other instances but yeah we'll see what it comes to the one thing that I think is going to be the, the determining factor for what Oregon State and Washington State do next is what the NCAA said last week. They said, if the Pac-12 goes away, so does the guaranteed auto bid for that league and the guaranteed money that comes with it for the NCAA tournament. In other words, if Oregon State and Washington State go to a different conference, that goes away, and they also have a, a much less chance of earning that. If they could just fill out the league, even with six or seven other schools, yeah. and keep make it the Pac-8, the Pac-9, whatever it might be, you maintain that bid, and now you have a power position in men's basketball to maybe make a run at that auto bid and make a run at that NCAA tournament. Money. It certainly is an appeal, and that might be the selling point to get a, a team in there, um, particularly since Oregon State and Washington State aren't like super basketball powers. Sure. Um, They've had some runs. They ha- they have had some runs. But, they but they're not UCLA, they're not Washington, they're not like some of the other powerhouse Pac-12s that are leaving. Exactly. So, you know, if you have that as a bargaining chip, as, as a way to recruit members into mm-hmm. your conference that, that might have a harder time breaking through in other conferences. Um, that, that That's not nothing. Nuwana Zowie, it's been Radio. It's the Business Angle with Justin Angle. In studio, it's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications building fiber networking all across the state of Montana. Want to see if Blackfoot can get fiber in your home or your small business? Visit goblackfoot.com. Thanks for swinging by, man. Good to see you. Thank you. Nash Fouch, his fifth career pick as a Grizz, playing great football right now during his senior year at Montana. He's our Grizz Star of the Week. He'll join us next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Jewelry Design Center is not your average jewelry store. The friendly, welcoming staff is so excited to be in Montana, and the craftsmanship, unique creativity, care, and artisanship you'll receive at the Jewelry Design Center is second to none. Is there anything you guys can't do? We don't cut diamonds, <laughs> okay, yeah. but we can facilitate that. <laughs> right. It's unique that we cast our own metal, we grow our own models, we hand carve, as well as use computer-aided technology to design. We're pushing the limits of what we had previously thought was impossible. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. He's new on his now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Right when I first started working at Missoula Broadcasting Company, seventh, uh, second summer I was here, so this would have been the summer of 2018, we hosted, uh, we helped host a Steely Dan and Doobie Brothers concert at the uh, the Missoula Paddleheads Field, which was super fun. And uh, I had never really known much about or been that into Steely Dan, but after seeing them live, wow, really impressive musicians. So I always groove into some Steely Dan. I always, whenever we play them on the show, I always remember back uh, to that evening. Now it's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We talked yesterday on the show about Troy Anderson's great performance for the Atlanta Falcons, led the Atlanta Falcons in tackles as they beat the Carolina Panthers in the uh, the opening week of the season. He also had a sack, Troy Anderson did, former Montana State Bobcat. Alex Singleton, who uh, also former Montana State Bobcat, he also led the Denver Broncos in tackles. So a couple uh, former MSU guys showing out uh, in the NFL. 
couple other Big Sky guys that made some waves. First of all, Rashid Shahid. Th- this highlight's been making the rounds on Twitter. Derek Carr says to Jameis Winston on the sideline, this is for the New Orleans Saints, hey, we, showed, we, th- we should throw a fade ball to, to Shahid. And then they do, and uh, the former Weaver State uh, All-American torches the defense and, and, uh, and gets on the board. So it's a, it's a cool highlight and certainly um, a good start uh, for the Saints as well. Uh, and then the other Big Sky guy who, who sometimes doesn't get remembered as a Big Sky guy, but I think it's because he finished his career at Fresno State, but he started his career, played most of his career at Sac State. That's Jerron Bland. He's the one that had the, the pick six for the Dallas Cowboys to sort of spark the route of the New York Giants. So uh, a couple former uh, Big Sky guys uh, made good. By the way, the Saints beat the Titans 16-15. to One of three, count them, three one-point games in week one. The Raiders also won by one over the Denver Broncos, 17-16. to uh, And then he also had the Thursday night football game. The Lions beat the Chiefs 21-20. to That just shows you just how narrow the margin of victory is in the NFL. I mean, the Dolphins only beat the Chargers by two, 36-34. And then sometimes if things just aren't going your way, you can't block the other team's pass rush. You turn the ball over, you lose the turnover battle bad, and you end up like the New York Giants, you lose 40 to nothing <laughs> in a complete embarrassment. So uh, a variety of different results from the opening weekend of the NFL season. A couple blowouts, four, count them, four games decided by two points or less. Um, but it's always fun when you, you see uh, big sky guys doing well. On the flip side of that, Cooper Cup, who's certainly the most prominent and successful big sky alum that currently plays in the NFL, and he's the Super Bowl MVP a couple of years back, he's out. He's on the uh, the injured reserve for the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. I think a lot of people were laying money down on the Seahawks, given the fact that Cup was out for the opener. Uh but the Rams looked great offensively. A whole bunch of guys I'd never heard of had huge days for the Rams' offense. And uh, just a friendly reminder, Sean McVay, especially in openers and especially in division games against other NFC West teams, he's he's just really hard to beat. He's such a great coach, but also just so great in the early style of preparation. And uh, I think they knew that Cup was going to be out, so they had those other guys just raring to go, ready to roll, and uh, they pound the Seahawks 30-13. Uh, to 13. Uh, to open up NFL Week 1. Uh, the Missoula Paddleheads, backs against the wall. They've been so good these last couple years during the regular season. But last year, after winning the first and second half pennants in the Pioneer League, they lost in the championship uh, of the playoffs. So they didn't take home the, the postseason championship last year. Missoula didn't. Now this year, they won both halves. And uh, their backs are against the wall after Billings beats them. Billings Mustangs beat the Missoula Paddleheads. Eight to five last night. It's a three-game series for the Northern Division postseason title, uh, but they'll play again tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. That's here uh, in Missoula. If you can't make it down, you can find the call here on ESPN Radio. But it's winner go home for the Paladins tomorrow. They they have to win this game if they want to extend their season. If they do, they'll force a game three, which is uh, also in Missoula. And if they can win two in a row. Then they'll get the Southern champion and get another crack at the postseason championship. But they've won a ton of games. They've won at an incredibly high win percentage rate over these last couple years. But it's all for naught if they don't win tomorrow night. So a huge one down there at Allegiance Field at Ogren Park here 
uh, in Missoula at the Billings Mustangs in town for some postseason action. Sounds like the Grizz are getting pretty close to wrapping up practice. So our Grizz Star of the Week featuring Nash Fouch, senior safety for the Grizz, will be right on the other side. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jshultylaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. I went on a Stevie Wonder, like Earth, Wind, and Fire, Sly and the Family Stone, Curtis Mayfield kick, uh, I don't know, earlier on this summer. And I can't believe that George Benson didn't get wrapped up into that. I hadn't thought about George Benson for a little while, but then somehow stumbled upon him yesterday, and uh, I'm back in. Been listening uh, to George Benson the last two days. So sweet. It's like jazz, funk, and R&B fusion. What an awesome artist. Welcome back. Nuanas now. ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I know school's back in session. Uh, feels like fall is here, but but not quite. We're like still hanging on to summer a little bit, but fall's on the way. Golf's still going, though. King Ranch Golf Course still open out there in Frenchtown. A little bit cooler temperatures, so maybe a little bit more enjoyable for a weekend afternoon round of golf. King Ranch has the most affordable, family-friendly golf experience uh, in western Montana. So go check them out there in Frenchtown. Uh, beautiful piece of property right down there by the uh, the river. Riparian-type uh, ecological system, and uh, it's a challenging course because there's so much roughage and there's so many huge old trees. A really creative uh, course design. So go check them out there uh, in Frenchtown. We are anticipating uh, Nash Fouch, a senior safety for the Grizz football team here on Nuanas now. I know it's been uh, sort of a an interesting start to the Grizz football season. There's been so much talk about the, the quarterbacks, the dual quarterback system that Montana seems dead set on employing. Who's going to be the guy when it gets to the you know the pivotal conference games like UC Day when the Grizz have to play at UC Davis or when they have to play at Idaho or when Sac State comes to town or when the Cats come to town? Who's going to be the guy? There's been much made of the the prowess of the offensive line, and I think that. Uh, after starting slow against Butler, they found their stride, and then I thought they were good last week against Utah Tech. 
The Grizzlies have been pounding the rock the first two weeks of the year. There's always going to be the, the narrative of how do you get the ball more to the elite playmakers like Aaron Fonts and Junior Bergen. But that, that's all on the offensive side. I've been asked a lot, what do you think of the Grizz defense? And, and I do think that defensive line depth is still an issue uh, for Montana. Maybe not an issue, but a concern. Something they, they got to find, a, uh, either cultivate some, some guys that are uh, coming up through the ranks or get some guys back who have been hurt. I do think they need to have some defensive line depth going into the meat of their schedule. But overall, I think the defense has been pretty good. There were some huge questions. I thought the biggest question mark about the Grizz coming into this year was at cornerback. You lose Justin Ford, who's like a borderline NFL guy. You bring back Corbin Walker. You've had uh, some pretty good talent there the last couple of years. Omar Hexanu was a good player for the Grizz as well. But you have some unproven guys. Trevor Gradney certainly cut his teeth and uh, made some waves on special teams, but playing corner, especially playing corner in the big sky against some of the best uh, passing attacks in the country. I mean, Idaho, UC Davis, those are going to be some of the best passing attacks in the country. So playing corner in the FCS is certainly going to be a huge challenge, especially when it's your first time doing it. There's also the, the talk on the back end. How do you replace a prolific tackler like Robbie Halk, who was certainly a huge part of Montana's defensive success over the last four years. But what I've seen so far uh, in, in the secondary has been a diversification of coverages, certainly. They're still running the same base defense, those three three five, but they have a lot more uh, different combo coverages and, and stuff like that going on the back end. I think there's a little bit more consistency to what the safeties are doing in their three individual roles. And I thought the corners have been good. I mean, Trevor Grady's got two picks in as many games. So I do think the secondary, at least so far, has answered the bell. Sounds like we got somebody from the Grizz secondary. Senior safety, Nash Fauci had a pick on Saturday against Utah Tech. And he is our Grizz Star of the Week. Our Grizz Star of the Week presented by Ryan and Miller Law. Ryan and Miller Law has more than 30 years of experience Ryan Miller Lie, your Montana attorneys. Nash, thanks for joining the show, man. How you doing? How was practice today? I'm doing great. Yeah, actually just running off the field just now. It was a good practice. Well, I, I got to love it. Uh, we talked to Trajan Cotton on uh, Monday, and he said leading up to last week, he thought you guys had a really good week of practice. I know two weeks ago, Coach Alk was joking at his uh, his Wednesday coaches show that he thought maybe the, the, the lead up to the opener, a uh, couple days of practice that wasn't up to standard. So uh, did, did, did you feel that? I mean, did you feel like last week was a good week of practice going into Utah Tech? And how much did that play a factor in you guys having a, a pretty convincing 43-13 to 13 win? I think it plays a huge, uh, huge role in how we play on Saturday. I mean, Coach, I'd agree with Coach Alka. The first week we weren't, we weren't up to par every day, and then last week we started to get a little bit better. Um, and our Tuesday and Wednesday practices are super important. Those are our heavy work days, and those are when we kind of get to see things full speed. And I think if we execute on those days and take what we learn in the film room out to practice, I think we're we're much better off for Saturdays. And I think that was the case last week. We had a pretty good day on Tuesday, and then Wednesday was really, really good. And I think that just gives everybody confidence and allows you to play fast. So I think that that plays a huge role in the outcome we get on Saturday. Well, one, th- one thing that we were just talking about right before you, you joined us was some of the stuff that I've noticed just watching you guys defensively. It seems like there's some diversifications and coverages. It seems like you guys are running a little bit more complex coverages on the back end. And, and it makes sense given the fact that, you know, you have a defensive secondary guy as the defensive coordinator now and Ronnie Bradford. And of course, Tim Houck back as a defensive analyst as well. So, um, 
what have been the biggest differences that you notice? And, and you don't have to tell us the, in, the internal details of it all, but it seems like you guys are doing uh, some more complicated stuff on the back end. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, like you said, Coach Coach Bradford and Coach Tim have been awesome, and it's really cool to learn from them. Um, but I think the biggest part of it is is just the maturity level of everybody in the secondary. I mean, we we have a lot of guys who have played a lot of snaps, and the guys who haven't played a lot of snaps have, have been here or are just smart guys. And I think, I think that's what we kind of have going for us is everybody can kind of conceptualize what we have going on. And you're right, there has been some new stuff, and I think we've handled it really well. And um, taking it from the film room to, to, practice, to the practice field and in the games on Saturday has been awesome. And I, that's been really cool to watch, especially being here for so long to see, to see some of these young guys and these guys who haven't played as much making plays like they are. Well, certainly you guys have made a lot of plays on the ball already, forced a lot of turnovers, forced three of them on, on Saturday against Utah Tech, including yourself, picking up your first interception of the year. So uh, take us through the play. Uh, what did you see? And uh, it must have felt good uh, to not only get the pick, but then get the little mic drop at the end of it as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's always it's always a great feeling to get an interception, especially playing defense, you know, not not scoring any touchdowns. But uh, getting an interception always is always great. And, uh yeah, it was just we were we were in cover two, and we we always talk about it. Tips and overthrows are the best way to get get interceptions, and I got lucky. I was in the right spot on an overthrow and came down with it. And uh, it's always nice to get the team amped up and give, give the offense the ball back, give them a chance to go score. So that was great. Nash Fouch joining us. He's our Grizz Star of the Week, senior safety there for the University of Montana. Just got done uh, with practice. Uh, tell us about Ferris State, a, a Division II school, but I don't think you can pin them as any sort of an underdog. I mean, they're the two-time defending national champions at the D2 level. They've won something like 28 straight road games. So this is a team that knows how to take the show on the road and win. What's the preparation been like so far? What do you, what do you see when you turn the Bulldogs on tape? Well, the preparation is no different. We, we're approaching it like they're the best team we've ever played, like we do every week. Um, and... Heck, we should. I mean, <laughs> these guys know how to win. They they really, really know how to win. Like you said, I think it was 28 games on the road. Um, they've lost, like, three regular season games or something like that in the last couple of years. But, um, they, yeah, like they know how to win. And a team with a winning culture and nothing to lose is a dangerous team. And we 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 fully, we fully respect that. We think they're a great team. We think they got a good scheme, great players, and we're approaching it like any other week. So... Strides defensively, you hope you guys make. I thought you guys took a huge jump from week one to week two across the board, both offense and defense. What, what, what sort of stride do you hope to make this week uh, between weeks two and week three? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, just keep making those strides. You know, keep uh, keep getting more explosive on both sides of the ball, making big plays and fine-tuning the little details. I think, you know, I think we talked about it earlier too, coming out here and practicing is super, super important. And I think today's Tuesday practice was – Better than last week's Tuesday practice. So I think it's just one of those things we got to keep working on. He's Nash Fouch, our Grizz Star of the Week, presented by Ryan and Miller Law, your Montana attorneys. Nash, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for uh, fitting us in, and uh, best of luck on Saturday. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. There you go. Nash Fouch, Woodenville, Washington's finest. Our Grizz Star of the Week, presented by Ryan and Miller Law. Paul Ryan, Angie Miller approach every case like it's going to trial from day one. This ensures the top-notch attorneys are always prepared and ready to press forward on their cases to get their clients the justice they deserve. Ryan and Miller Law, your Montana attorneys, and proud to support the Grizz Star of the Week. Jam-packed show tomorrow once again. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, will join us. Uh, we'll also have our Montana State Minute with Simeon Woodard. Ty Gregorak on all things CU. The buffs are rolling 
plus an update on all the Big Sky guys in the NFL, and much more. We'll see you then. This has been Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.